just a little co-host privilege at the top of the episode. It is just incredible how consistent this audience is. Thank you for listening each week. Thank you for engaging with us, for sending us email or posting a comment wherever you listen or hitting that like button. Actually, I think that Michelle and I like reading people who disagree with us more than we do people who agree with us. So get active. Let us know if you disagree. It'll be great to hear from you. But, but this week, I wanted to ask us to go big. Let's think about friends and family and coworkers and baristas and friends you meet at your kids' sporting events or church friends. Anyone who can benefit from the content of this podcast, let's share it. This is all grassroots, baby. It's on us. So let's do it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sharing. And John Pop, let's start the show. From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Tim Desher, and this is Heritage Explains. For the last two episodes, Michelle and I have been looking back on the great success of the Bipartisan Welfare Reform Act of 1996. Robert Rector told us that in crafting welfare reform to serve the one in seven American children who were dependent on government aid, we needed to do two things. First, require work in exchange for welfare, and second, strengthen families. On the last episode, we heard that as a result of these objectives, welfare caseloads, which, by the way, hadn't dropped significantly in 50 years, promptly fell 60%. Also, the child poverty rate suddenly dropped by a third after being static for a quarter century. In addition, the poverty rate for single-parent families has dropped by two-thirds since the reform. Just let that sink in for a second. What an incredible victory. But recently, instead of pursuing similar reforms, President Biden and liberals in Congress are hoping to totally upend this by disguising welfare as tax credits and requiring very little, if anything, to get it. (laughs) It sort of defeats the purpose and smacks in the face of something that was clearly a huge success. This is the real deal when it comes to work, when it comes to education and training and helping families get out of poverty. From now on, after this bill, we're no longer going to measure whether we're successful in poverty by how many people we have on the welfare rolls and that we're taking care of, but how many people we've gotten off the welfare rolls because they have dynamic work opportunities, because they have education and training to make that all happen. And yes, they have a requirement. We've had lots of welfare reform in the United States Senate pass for years and years, but there's never been the requirement to have to work. It's tough love, but it is, the operative word is love. It is there, it is to help people. In case you don't recognize that voice, 
It's former Senator Rick Santorum making his case on the Senate floor in 1996, just before they voted. He was crucial to passing this legislation and has championed this issue his entire career. After his time ended in the Senate, he continued to be an advocate for these issues. And on this final episode of our three-part series, Santorum gives us a behind-the-scenes look at passing welfare reform in 1996, including an awesome story about Senator Ted Kennedy. In addition, he analyzes what's currently happening and shares valuable insight from his continued fight to make welfare work for America. Now, just for the sake of full disclosure, before my role here at the Heritage Foundation, I was a paid staff member on the Rick Santorum for President campaign in 2012. But now, let's get into the interview. Senator Santorum, we just played a clip from one of your speeches on the Senate floor, and I'm going to be just a little gauche here, and I'm going to quote you to you, but I just want your initial reaction, given this is kind of a retrospective of this. So here's the quote. It says, from, the, from this moment on, we are no longer going to measure if we're successful in poverty by how many people we have on the welfare rolls, but how many people we've gotten off the welfare rolls because they have a dynamic work opportunity and educational training. It's tough love, but the operative word is love. Senator, you've been a champion for this issue your entire career. Just start us out. Why this issue? I guess it really stems from my uh, my faith commitment. I mean, I, I, you know, we, as a, as a Christian, as someone believes that it is our responsible to uh, to help our our neighbor and to help those in poverty and uh, those who uh, who need a helping hand. And now, as as a Christian, I know that that responsibility is not a a corporate one; uh, it's a personal one. So uh, that is part of my duty as an individual to help others one on one or in, in, in you know as part of as part of an organization that's doing it. But I, but uh, I, you know, I extend that that the government has taken a much bigger part of that role. Uh, we can debate here today whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But uh, at the time of, in, in the mid 1990s, uh, it was a it was an ever growing uh, number of people were getting on uh, welfare programs, everything, not not just food stamps, which I, I think had reached, reached uh, you know at the time an all time high, hmm. uh, to. Uh, Aid to families with dependent children, and uh, which were, you know, sort of welfare payments for people who uh, who were not working. And uh, I just felt like that if we weren't helping people, more and more people are getting on the rolls, more and more people are were relying more on government, and uh, you know, less on individual charity, less on 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 the things that I thought were really the more personal commitments. And we were doing it the wrong way. We were we were paying people not to work instead of uh, incentivizing them to find find the uh, work opportunities so they could get into a life that uh, of earned success. From your insider perspective, you know, you were in the House, then you were in the Senate. What brought this issue to the majors? What Was it the sheer fact that it was just glaringly obvious and, and, and out of control? But, but give us some of the inside look there on the Hill. Well, Bill Clinton stole it, uh, told America that he was a new Democrat. Uh, that he was not uh, the uh, you know the big liberal Democrat that had after the Reagan Revolution had sort of fallen out of favor, uh, and so he had this third way, and 
he had a couple of moments in his campaign. One was the sister soldier moment, uh, which you go back and look it up. And the other uh, <laughs> was being, uh, you know, being for welfare reform. Uh, and that made him uh, acceptable to uh, a lot of uh, a lot of moderates and even some conservatives uh, who may have been uh, frustrated uh, with uh, George H.W. Bush at the time and, uh, and him raising taxes and cutting deals with Democrats that the conservatives weren't happy with. So this this uh, this was his signature. And the interesting was he won in 1992. And for the first few years, you know, and this was a big part of his campaign. He never proposed any changes in welfare. Wow. Never. I mean, you know, it's like running. It's like Obama running on health care and not proposing the health care. I mean, you thought, how is that possible? Well, it was possible because he really didn't want to do it. He just wanted the campaign saying he was going to do it. Hmm. Uh, and, and with with Democrats control of the uh, of, of the Congress, he didn't have to do it. Right. Uh, and when 1994 came around, we uh, you know, we knew that uh, we were going to have a good good year. And you may recall something called the contract with America. Uh, that Newt Gingrich uh, put together, and I was in the House at the time, and I was actually on the Ways and Means Committee at the time, and uh, I, I happened to be uh, the ranking member, uh, which is the senior Republican, on the on the committee that oversaw welfare policy. Uh, and and so uh, when we put together the Contract America, Newt came to me and said, you know, you need you and your committee need to put together a bill, and so we spent. Uh, now, almost a year uh, meetings. I mean, just incredible amount of time and effort we put in, and we put together the contract with America welfare reform proposal. And that's how we ran. That's it was one of the major themes in 1994 that we were going to follow through and make Bill Clinton uh, do a welfare reform package. So uh, yes, it was. Uh, it was. I know it's hard to imagine uh, these days, but it was a major, major part of the success that we had from a policy point of view. In the 1994 election, and and, and, and uh, granted, we and we we keep talking about how bipartisan this was, but I'm curious just how those talks with Democrats went to bring that many along. Were there compromises, or was it kind of, hey, we've we've got the mandate here, we know that President Clinton likes this, so come along with us, or you know, get off, kind of a thing. There were a lot of uh, Democrats that that uh, that did uh, agree that something needed to be done. Uh, to, to tighten up the system, and uh, but with the 1994 election and the fact that we won and, and controlled the House for the first time in 40 years, uh, there was a huge effort to do more than what we even suggested yeah. uh, in in our contract with America proposal. In fact, there's a funny story uh, as we were as we were the House. Let me give you a little background. The House was the first one to introduce a bill, and and Clay Shaw, who was over there, was the uh, chairman of the committee, was just terrific and put together a, a great piece of legislation. And we we did some we did a little work, collaborative work on over in the Senate. And the bill came over, and uh, I it was myself and uh, and uh, John Ashcroft, who was a, a, a former governor. There were several former governors who were there. That Judd Gregg and many others who worked on this with us. Uh, and we we put together this bill. None of us were on the relevant committee, but all of us cared about this issue. And and so we 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 uh, ended up working on this. And and I ended up managing the bill as a freshman member on the floor of the Senate. Uh, and uh, I remember getting up right before the uh, right before the, the bill was uh, to be passed. And Ted Kennedy came over to me. And Ted Ted said, you know, uh, my staff was doing some research. And we found this bill that you introduced when you were over in the house <laughs> that you sponsored. And he said, you know, uh, if 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 
if you agree to that bill, I'll vote for it and I'll and I'll and I'll cooperate. You're kidding. Well, that was the contract with the America Welfare Reform Bill. So that that's how much things had changed. Wow. The Kennedy, who who ultimately opposed the bill that passed, was for what we proposed, you know, uh, 12 months earlier during the election. So uh, winning elections have consequences, and and being able to go out there and, and pull together uh, good solid policies uh, that Amer- the American public can understand, yeah. uh, and they can understand the basic concepts of what we were trying to do here. I'm still just envisioning, you know, in my head as a as a younger person, you know, having a conversation with Ted Kennedy like that it would just be just mind blowing to imagine that. I mean, what what well, an incredible thing! He had no idea that that was the contract with America's Vision. <laughs> he had just he had just his staff had just found a bill that I sponsored, and I guess they just didn't do the homework and found out that there was actually something that he called an abomination oh. when we when we introduced it. And now, twelve months later, he was willing to co-sponsor it. And uh, and pass it in the, into law. I'm curious, you know, what you see, you know, happening on the Hill right now. I know you track all this stuff. I'm curious to hear what what uh, what your reaction is to to Biden's and the Democrats now attempt to completely overhaul that without even mentioning 1996. Yeah, that's the important thing is that, that uh, no one wants to fight uh, a battle they can't win, and so what what they're doing is is uh, it is re, you know, rejiggering their arguments uh, to, to take the focus away from work, families. Uh, you know, we, we, if you remember back in 96, we increased the earned income credit. We did things to make work pay. That was one of, the, one of our slogans. We're going to make work pay. Right. And uh, you, you don't hear any of that from, from the Biden administration. All, all you hear about is, People are hurting. We have to help people who are hurting. We can't. We, you know, you know, the, the family structure has changed, and so we have to. We have to take care of people. We have to give them, you know, cradle to grave care. And now I can tell you, 25 years ago, those arguments weren't going to sell. But as you, as we've seen, I mean, the the progressives have taken a very, very bold approach uh, in in dramatically expanding the size and scope of government. Uh, even though Joe Biden, as we all know, promised he was going to be a moderate, yeah. uh, he has taken a very, very left-wing approach to things. And uh, and and you know, again, I, I I it would be nice if Republicans would focus on the impact these programs will have on the people they're intending to help. Yeah. Because if we remove incentives to work, if we remove incentives to get education, so you can get training, so you can go to work. Uh, if we if we t- we're we're not going to help people, we're gonna we're gonna damn them to eternal poverty. Is the messaging the same today as it was back then? How, how do lawmakers you know that are willing to talk about this now, you know, how do they talk about this, especially with this attempt to effectively upend welfare reform? There's been all sorts of studies done of people who have won the lottery, and most of them are miserable within a year or two of having won the lottery. They, they may have a lot of money, but they know they didn't earn it, and, and they end up not doing very well on a, on a variety of different fronts. When you know that, that the, the work that you have put in has led to the success that you're having economically, there, is, there are all sorts of benefits personally, mental health-wise, socially, and 
the enormous benefits to your children in seeing mom and mom and dad being able to provide for them and and doing it out of the sweat uh, you know from the sweat of their brow that all of those things are great dynamics they teach lessons that are important lessons for children to learn if you work to to create the money that that you have to do so and and so when we take when we rob people of that and that's what that's the word we have to use when we rob people of the dignity of work we rob them of the of the opportunity to succeed we rob them the opportunity to, to achieve uh, and and to better themselves. That that is not helping people in the short term. It may help them in the short term be able to put food on their table, but it's not going to help them over the long term to live a happier, better life. Yeah. Well, Senator Santorum, I just I what an honor to speak with you. Um, what an honor to you know kind of just watch this whole thing come to life from 1996, and then the benefits that we've seen through that hard work that you put in, your colleagues in the Senate and the House put in. So uh, I I just wanted to say thank you for coming on and 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 kind of tying that to today. So again, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye bye. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to this three-part series on welfare reform. If you missed any one of these episodes, don't worry. Head over to the show notes. I've linked to the previous two episodes as well as all the work that went into helping build these episodes out. You can find it all in the show notes. Next week, we're up with a new episode. We'll see you then. Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by John Pop.